0: Parenting is hard, but there's help. Welcome to Everyday Parenting with Mary Beth Henry, a licensed marriage and family therapist and parent educator. Everyday Parenting utilizes face-to-face, unscripted interviews with real parents, but names have been changed to protect their identities.
1: Our podcast today is uh, coming from a a place of, uh, by happenstance. Um, I have met two amazing individuals in my life, um, and, uh, one of them is, uh, Sydney and the other one is Anne and Sydney and I, um, met walking in the park, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sydney and I walk very early in the morning. If, if you know me, you know, I'm up an early in the morning. And so it's, so, I found out. So it's Sydney, Sydney's an early morning walker too. And we met, uh, walking through the park and, uh, my dog loves Sydney and he would look for Sydney. He would, um, he would follow the trails that we were walking on. He would always be looking for her. And so um, Harrison, my dog, um, just absolutely loves her. And when my dog loves somebody, I pretty much will fall in love with somebody too. <laughs> um, you know, he's got a great heart and he knows a good heart when he sees it. So that's how I met Sydney. You know, so our two guests today are going to share with you, um, being a child, um, in a world um, that isn't always so kind and isn't always so fair, um, and I'm also wanted to bring in Anne as an as an additional piece into this podcast to show that we we grow as as um, you know we are we are we are children ourselves. We are parented uh, by our parents, and then we have children someday too, and we start parenting our children, and what that looks like, what starts happening, you know, what 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 changes in us um what triggers do we start finding in ourselves so i always like to ask this question do you ever wonder why um, some parents can keep a sense of humor when their child does something or why some parents lose it or get triggered when when children do things i mean that's something that i get all the time it's like why why do i get triggered why why does something set me off or, or why does my friend or why does my colleague or why, why can they handle it? And I can't. And that's a question I get all the time. It's like, why, why can't I handle certain things? What, 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 what causes me to get so angry sometimes? And what we, um, what we have to realize is that sometimes we're really hard on ourselves and we have a lot of self-criticism and a lot of worry. And, and, and then, and we look at others like, are they, are they that self-critical? Are they always anxious like I am? I mean, these are all the questions, right? We, we wonder as we're parents, we wonder as we're human beings, we wonder as we're colleagues working with people in a, in a work environment. It's like, are they handling that criticism better than I am? Am I being criticized? Am I having a more difficult time than others? These are all these self-doubt pieces we have growing up. What we need to understand is that a lot of our beliefs and a lot of our understandings of ourselves, a lot of understanding of ourselves comes from a very unconscious place in our life, in our our development. Um, You know, as we grow and develop, we we have experienced many things um, in our childhood, um, in, in our adulthood. But what we have to really look at is our childhood is a direct reflection of who we are today and who we are going to be. And we all have these unconscious and conscious triggers that do set us off um, in, in our world and um, in, in our reactions to, to the world around us. Um, if something is overwhelming, what we have to realize is when something becomes really overwhelming for us, it's we have to realize that that is not just because it's happening right now. It's, becoming, it's because there is something deeper. There is something that, we have, that we, have, we have buried within ourselves that causes us to react in a certain way. We all have triggers and triggers and trauma go hand in hand. And that's the word, that's kind of what we're going to look at today is how trauma um, has caused us to have triggers in our life. And traumas are, they are, there are things that we, we have stored in our bodies. And when I hear people and I, I, you know, I work with all ages and stages from adults to seniors to to children. and And when I hear someone who tells me, um, you know, I'm having a really difficult time with sleep. And 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 uh, Sydney's going to talk, I hope she's going to talk about uh-huh. sleep today, because I think it's a really big piece. But when I hear someone telling me I'm, I'm having a lot of nightmares, a lot of night terrors, a lot of a lot of sleep issues, what we have to realize is we process our memories during our sleep period. That's when our brain does a lot of the processing. When we do sleep, our, our body has a chance to go through our memories. And that's when we process memories. Um, so sleep is and triggers and memories and trauma have a really huge um, uh, connection with each other. I'm hoping Sydney will talk about that uh, today also. What we're going to look at today is, you know, understanding physical, emotional, um, and neglect and, and how that is stored in our bodies through the years. And something that I always like to teach people that I work with, when we have a traumatic experience in our life, when we have a moment of trauma, that and you and you look at when that trauma happened. What age? How old were you? Where were you? But really, look at the age and the stage and development. What I like to teach is is looking at that age and stage and realizing that trauma, that, that moment of change, truly affects that developmental point. And that developmental point in your life becomes very stagnant and stays and pause. We pause there. We stay there, because what happens is that we are looking for uh, understanding and reason. When we have trauma at a certain time in our life, let's say we go through um, a divorce at age three, what we're looking for when that child is going, you know, they're having that traumatic of going through an event with a family, you know, a divorce, and they don't get the support or understanding that they might need to understand that situation and have that emotional support at that time. Then that child at that time almost stops developing that that piece of development, that time, that that capsule of time. And as they grow and develop, that will resurface itself numerous times. And it resurfaces itself in different in different ways. When we get in relationships, when we get in a stressful situation, when we have an, a stressful moment at school or at work or with a, or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or we raise our own children, those things come back up. Our children are here to help us to grow. Our children are mirrors of our, our past, our trauma, our development. They're mirrors of all that development. And as we raise our children and as we grow as parents, we are growing with our children. Even before you have children, if you get into a relationship with somebody, a marriage, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever it is, you also that person coming into your life, having a relationship is causing you to grow. And that growth, right, can be very painful. But that growth, you know, may not always be appropriate, because you might find yourself, um, you know, being, you know, being drawn to somebody who may not be the best um, match for you in the sense of growth, it might be the match of your past. And that's the piece that a lot of people get stuck into. What we also have to look at is and uh, not getting our emotions met through um, relationships or through our past or through our childhood. That's when we. That's when the trauma happened. Uh, not getting our emotional emotional needs met um, it is the piece that we look at trauma. And if our parents weren't able to meet our emotional needs, um, and, um, and 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 you know, like I said, during divorce or doing um, or if we had a. a you know, if we were parented by a child, um, where are you know we had to be the support for our parents. We had to be um, that 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 support for the family. You know, our emotional needs aren't being met. You know, as we get older, we're looking for fulfillment. We're looking for understanding. Who, who can help me, and how can I help myself? And those th- those things continue to grow. We're looking for fulfillment um, in places where there isn't fulfillment, and and that's the piece that we struggle with as we as people grow and develop is where, where are we looking for healing? Where are we looking for help? Where are we looking for to resolve? You know, How can we resolve? And so today my hope is as we talk today, it, we can heal our trauma, we can resolve our trauma and how does that look like? And what does that look like? So I'm gonna stop talking and I'm gonna welcome um, Sydney, our first guest today to talk about her childhood, her life. Um, and and talk about trauma and triggers. Well, Sydney, actually, I'm going to just let you go there. Sydney, please uh, welcome, and uh, please introduce yourself.
0: Hi, uh, my name is Sydney Kasai. Um, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, um, and I've been writing about parental narcissistic abuse. And wow, when when you were talking about all the different areas, I was just thinking about, um, you know, how I've been affected on so many different levels. Um, I entered therapy when my marriage was falling apart with a narcissist. And it took a lot of work to get over the divorce, and but at the same time, I was learning to be myself because the thing with having narcissistic parents is like you're frozen and you could have like a whole chunk of your development never taking place because your parents are just so focused on themselves they you're just left to your own devices or or you're catering to their needs in order to survive which becomes a problem when you get older because then you become you know you want to help people all the time like be a therapist but um (laughs) but anyway um i worked really hard in therapy and you know to to even find it there were so many sessions where there was just silence because i didn't know who I was at all and I had to find out and in the process of doing that I at some point I realized that my dad was a narcissist and that was a huge piece to understanding why I was so um, emotionally mentally different from everyone else I felt like I had I was missing something that everyone else had and when I entered grad school and my classmates had a lot of trauma, when I thought about I felt like I was the nuttiest one in the group.
1: <laughs> interesting, right? It's interesting, yeah. right? You, yeah, that right that that self-condemnation though. That's that's uh-huh. self-doubt. It's like uh uh-huh. wow, yeah, we're so hard on ourselves. We're so critical of ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and the thing that you know I think about when I think about as a child growing up with a narcissist is the brain fog, the confusion, the why are predators attracted to me all the time? Um, And why do I want to help people till there's nothing left? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I just and and the, the big thing was my lack of critical thinking. You know, I, I had a hard time defending myself, standing up for myself, holding on to what I believe when other people were stronger. And when I started working on on understanding how my dad affected me and at the same time, my hostile work environment was reaching an all time high. Mm -hmm. I lost it at work and I just reached the point where that's it. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And somehow that gave me the backbone. So I started healing in that sense, like, oh, now I can talk back to you. I can say what I think Mm -hmm. and feel and it feels good. And so that, that was part of my healing as well but as i as i dug into the you know what the memories of my childhood when my dad would twist my head around with the responses he said and you know i would i would be yeah that's logical but emotionally i felt like he kept choking me from feeling my feelings yeah.
1: like yeah. he could yeah. not Put-
0: handle me- he could not
1: handle my emotions that's exactly yeah. yeah, that's exact, yeah. And he he pushed him down. He pushed him back and yeah. pushed it, it and you can't. said, No, you you hold on to those. I'm not taking them. I don't yep. I don't I don't understand them. I no 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 you your yep. your feelings have no no value here, no value here. Yep. Yeah. And
0: yeah. and when it happens over and over and over and over, it just yeah. I think the serialness of it makes it so traumatic because it's just pounding you down and down and down exactly. and down. And, and, you know, the thing with, with narcissists is they destroy your self-perception and that's who you are. And if you, you lose your self-perception, you lose your ability to trust yourself. And that makes you so vulnerable to, you know, people who, who want something from you or are manipulative. Yeah. But, but from, from realizing that my dad was a narcissist to digging deeper, to realizing what exactly was he doing to me and how did that affect me, I... I dug deeper and I looked into brainwashing Mm. and brainwashing was like oh my gosh this is deeper than I thought because if you look I actually found a declassified CIA document on the website (laughs) (laughs) and it and it talked about brainwashing in the 50s they were researching brainwashing in Russia China you know figuring out how do they do it and I looked at that list and I thought, "Oh my gosh, that's what my dad did to me." Yeah, yeah, and that too. was yeah. huge cuz I could say I could there were there was a language to it. I could wrap my head around it and the thing yeah. about narcissism is once you understand
1: you gain more power yeah. and you yeah. can see That's it right. coming so true right well anything knowledge is power right we know that <laughs> knowledge is power but you're right to be able to see it coming to be yeah. able to see it coming and to be able to yeah. put up your shield and to yeah. say uh-uh no no you're not taking me down here you're not taking me yeah. down you know and i'm going i'm going to hear you i'm going to you know because i'm have to because you're mm-hmm. shouting at me are you yelling at me Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm going to hear you, but I don't have to take you. I don't have to take it, you know, and that's, that's the piece it's, it's yeah. Uh, But narcissism, you know, for anyone to understand narcissism and to have the description of a narcissist, Sydney, Sydney, how would you just, just so for the, for the average person listening to this today, how would you describe a narcissistic person? What would be the Uh,
0: general characteristics that you would describe it? You know, um, in non-clinical terms
1: or just everyday <laughs> language. <laughs> let's, say, do, let's do every day. Let's do every day. People can look up clinical. <laughs> yeah. Let's do every
0: day. Let's do every day. Um, totally self-centered. Um, doesn't take responsibility for anything. Um, usually blames everybody but themselves. Never owns anything, which means their chances of being able to change are very slim because yeah. you can't own anything. Um, They're basically living in a delusion because they think that, you know, the world revolves around me. uh, I can do no wrong. Um, What else? They're pretty much incapable of empathy. Um, They see people not as human beings, but as objects. So if you have a dress, the dress has a stain, you throw it away. So that's how they treat people. You're, yeah, yeah. I can't use you, so I'm going to toss you next. Yeah, um, yeah. What else? Well, that's, that's pretty, good. That's, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty
1: good. that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. Yep. 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 But the exactly. thing
0: I've learned the hard way is in most cases, if you try and argue, they like it that you want to argue with them or have a conversation with them. But the thing is, I've learned over and over and over and over. <laughs> You come to the table with good intentions, thinking that they're gonna do that with you, and they yes. don't. They all don't. they're thinking about is themselves. It looks like they're listening to you, but it's in one ear, out the other, because all they're thinking about is what, what, what's the next step? How can I manipulate, yeah. ma- manipulate yeah. the person?
1: Or what? So yeah, what's it? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? At right,
0: this point? Yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. having you you're wasting your energy basically when you do that, they, they, they respond better to boundaries and strict boundaries, rather than you being nice, because they will walk all over you if you're nice. Yeah. So yep. I've kind of yep. learned those the hard way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, and that in that, you know, if you, if you look at that from a parenting, you know, from my perspective of a parenting perspective of, you know, how we work with children too, it's the same piece of, you know, children will walk all over you too, If but you need to have boundaries within a loving, nurturing way, but you need to right. have strict boundaries too, right, uh, right? because children are, as I always teach p- families, you know, children for the first, you know, five years of life are very narcissistic, right? Mm-hmm. It is all about, yeah. that. it is all about their development and it should be, and it should be because they are developing their sense of self, right? They're developing their sense of who they are and they mm-hmm. need all that emotional uh, growth and, and stability from, from, um, from the world. And if they don't get it, as we as we have learned, um, you know, they don't be, you know, if they don't get that emotional support, um, then that's a lost piece. Right. And so children yeah. are naturally narcissistic um, yeah. as they, and I, I love to see as humans grow. And I tell parents, as your child grows, they, they kind of ebb and flow through narcissism, um, you know, at children, you know, six and a half, seven, they kind of go through it again. Right. And I always, and I always tell parents and, and with my own children too, um, I like to say, you know, look, when your child becomes 19 and a half, 20, 21, you start seeing another shift in narcissism, you know, they, they, they are so focused on themselves, right, so focused on their needs. Um, and then they, when you start seeing them come out of that again, in their later years, it's like, okay, they're back into the world. Now they're back and, and really kind of joining the world of being part of um, that everything isn't revolving around them. Right, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's 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 a never-ending cycle. Is my point, never-ending cycle. Um, we just have to know and understand it, and know how to, what to, how to work with it. And exactly what you said, we can't fight it. Um, all we have to do is create our boundaries, right? Create our boundaries, mm-hmm. create understanding of why, and narrate why we have boundaries, and let it go, let it go. Because uh, what
0: one of the things my therapist said that just helped me a lot was she said she told me that. Your dad is a two-year-old in an adult exactly. body. That was exactly. so, that, right? that helped me so much.
1: I use that all the time. I use that all the time. <laughs> I just I just used it yesterday when I was helping a father <laughs> understand his eight-year-old. Um, remember when he has his meltdowns, his trauma happened when he was three. You know, this child's trauma um, of a divorce happened when they was three. And so when the child feels angry or frustrated when they have those big meltdowns an eight-year-old having a a big meltdown what does it look like and I say well look at him look at him as that three-year-old child that three-year-old self and what does that three-year-old self need love boundaries support emotional support all those pieces not an explanation not a lecture right yeah (laughs) and that's what, and you're right, Sydney. That that's a. If anything we can take away from today is see people where they are in their developmental, right? Their development right. because if you can see someone from that developmental piece, it it makes you understand so much, yeah, about why they do what they do. Do we have to? You know, you can understand them. Do you have to accept that? Or you, yeah, well, you have to understand how to work with them, right? And to know that your father had that two year old temper tantrum that two-year-old manipulative that Mm two-year-old everything's about me right Mm -hmm. then it puts it and you you look at him like you are you are a (laughs) two-year-old you wouldn't (laughs) say that to him but it helps you understand where he's coming from and what his limitations are and that's what's important right right understand his limitations he can't think beyond that yeah so when you ask him a really life important question you know dad what about this and you're you're asking a two-year-old that huge life question you're going to uh-huh. get a two-year-old answer. Uh-huh. Does, it, does it involve me? Does it affect me? Because that's what a two-year-old right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. The other thing I was thinking, too, is I worked with a lot of domestic violence victims, and
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: there's a connection between, you know, some kind of narcissist in the past and their inability to parent. They, yes. they really have yeah. a hard time setting boundaries. And it almost... Almost without fail if I, if I dig into their past there's there's a narcissist. they've yeah, been yeah. you know they've been connected to a narcissist and you can and it just it almost grooms these women to be
1: doormats. That's been my whole basis of my practice throughout the years is I, I and people um, a- Anne will tell you when she you know just you know learning to know who I am and learning to know who, who we are as, as uh, you know together that's that's where i go i mean that's where i go i go into you know that childhood piece is such Mm -hmm. an intricate intricate piece Uh of who we are and and that that's but on that same note though sydney that's what scares a lot of parents i get that a lot from parents am Mm -hmm. i screwing my kid up am i Mm -hmm. messing up my kid if if i say no to my child am i going to mess them up if i if i have a tantrum if i cry in front of my child am i going to mess them up for life these are the questions I get all the time. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm messing my kid up. It's like, well, you know what? We're all messing each other up quite, quite a bit. Um, it's just a matter of, of can we process it? And can we realize what our triggers are that causes us to have those feelings and then to be able to start going and, and, and growing from them, right? And that's what it is. And that's what you found too. I think, Sydney, is the growth of learning, mm-hmm. understanding, and then processing, and then growing from that growing and 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 rebuilding right who you are and and that's that's the piece that's so difficult right is to go back right. and rebuild right. rebuild those pieces that were that were not developed or right. that were shut down mm-hmm. um, and that's 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 the part of going back and that's why we go back in that cognitive behavioral piece is going back and and really building up those um, and understanding those triggers right mm-hmm because the the other
0: thing about you know narcissistic abuse is it leaves no scars so the victim thinks it's my fault or they don't know what to think is this is this normal is you know is this because you know I have a roof over my head I have food to eat so how can this be that bad sure And, Sure. and, and and that's part of you know the invisibility of it that leaves the victim you know so many years you know damaged and yeah, yeah. I, and not f- being able to make the connection
1: yeah 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 so no you're so, right you're right you're right yeah no i yeah that the, the, those invisible scars are so so powerful and and so i think i think i think more uh, more um i i think it's being more projected in our society these days of looking at those invisible scars versus just uh-huh. looking at, you know, when someone looks depressed or anxious or sad, you know, they might be joyful people on the outside, but when we really look inside, what's there? And I, and Sydney, that's where, you know, um, hearing about, you know, who, who you are, and then you interesting, you know, and I, and I, and, I, and I'm going to bring up here, she, she wrote a book, and, and um, the book is wonderful. And I'll post that near the end of this discussion about being a doormat for our, our families and um, being a doormat for our parents and the abuse, how we become a doormat people just walk over. But I think, I think what you have to really look at too, is those invisible scars. And and something I do want you to talk about is sleep because Mm. sleep is where we do process, right? Mm -hmm. Sleep is where we do process. And that scar When people tell me I have a very difficult time sleeping, that is a scar. That that to Mm. me is a very visual scar. I mean, not Mm -hmm. visual, but it does become visual when we start looking like we don't sleep, right? Or or we're tired all the time, or we have no energy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But sleep is that one big piece that does show up a lot um, with trauma. Mm -hmm. And um, can you go a little bit on that? Would you mind sharing a little bit?
0: Sure. My insomnia started in 1998 when I started grad school with the stress. And then um, towards the end, it was more my job because they were extremely abusive emotionally um, to their staff, um, Mm -hmm. just constant pressure. And it got to the point where I was so tired, I was um, I would fall asleep at the stop sign. I almost hit a car. Wow. And and I had to like say, you know what? I gotta, I gotta take a break because this is too much. And, you know, because when, when you're a child of a narcissist, your ability to take care of yourself is really bad, really poor. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're so, you're so trained to put other people ahead of you. Right. that when it that's comes right. to you you're the last
1: that's right so it, it, it <laughs> yeah.
0: got to a critical point and i finally had to say you know i need a break and that started getting me to the point of i need to leave Yeah, yeah. but so, so that's, that's so
1: when you, that's when you left your job that's when you right left that yeah yeah because
0: i'm so committed to my clients too and i know how traumatic it would be for me to leave so that was hard too yeah. but yeah
1: Sleep? and i, oh and I, and, and I think and I think that's a discussion we had one day at the park right we had this discussion of you you have your own practice. you have your own practice you don't you work on it it's like yeah i do. <laughs> right I remember, I remember yeah. that discussion you were yeah. like you do what how do you do that now now I know where that conversation came from like, i gotta I gotta get out of this i gotta get out of this yeah yeah. yeah yeah but it is you know but but it's that it's that pounding down you talked about it's that pounding yeah. and pushing yeah. down yeah uh-huh. you know, and it just, and we have to realize too, again, sleep is our processing time. So if things have been so compounded in you constantly, uh-huh. Uh-huh. for you to get into a sleep state, it was nearly impossible. So you were not able to release enough and to to know that I can completely calm, you know, calm myself, resolve, heal, and go to sleep. Um, right. And so, I mean, there's just so much more to insomnia than that. But but it's a piece to look at, right? It's a piece to uh-huh. look at of how that connection, um, you know, because of our, because of the trauma piled and piled and piled. And then your your, your body's inability to process that anymore, right? You just, you just could not process it anymore. And it was just so much. Um, and so that, yeah, that it's just one more piece, but a whole, that's a whole nother podcast, but that's, you know, that's just another piece <laughs> to kind of look at. we talk about scars and we talk about how we, how we can't see it from the outside. Well people saw you were tired people knew you knew you were tired you knew mm-hmm. you were not getting sleep um and but it's interesting what takes you to that point of that breaking point right, of, right. i can't i can't do this anymore because my physical body now is breaking down mm-hmm. and that's that's just sad for me to hear that it took that right
0: yeah that and the other part too is i noticed like the way i treated myself you know like just really like <sighs> Hard, like you know, for trying to force myself to go to sleep, trying to force it to happen. It, it's reminiscent of how I was treated, and wow, I, yeah, yeah, and and I was like, wow, you know, I didn't realize I was that hard. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. that was a yeah. total great connection. To, yeah. yeah, great connection.
0: Everyday parenting is produced by me, Teresa Wang. The music you hear in our podcast is courtesy of the MA award-winning artist Steven Morell. If you have a question for Mary Beth and the Everyday Parenting Podcast community, please join us on our Facebook group. Just search for Everyday Parenting Group on Facebook. Don't miss our next episode. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Also, please take the time out to find us and rate us on iTunes.